Bells of San Juan by Jackson Gregory Chapter 4 At the Banker's Home Rod Norton made no rest. Leaving the card room abruptly, he signaled to Julius Struve, the hotel keeper, to follow him in the morning. Struve, in his official capacity as coroner, would demand a verdict. Having long been in strong sympathy with the sheriff, he was to be looked to now for a frank prediction of the inquest result. And, very thoughtful about it all, he gravely agreed with Norton, the coroner's jury taking the evidence offered by Jim Galloway, Kid Rickard, and Antone would bring in a verdict of justifiable homicide. Uh, later on we'll get him, Roddy, maybe, he said finally. But not now. If you pulled the kid in, it would just be running up the county expense all for nothing. The sheriff left him in silence, and leading his horse went the few steps to the hotel. Ignacio Chavez appearing opportunely, Norton gave his animal into the breed's custody. Ignacio, accustomed to doing odd jobs for El Señor Rodrigo Nortron, and the occasional half-dollars resulting from such transactions led the big gray away while the sheriff entered the hotel. It had been a day of hard riding and scanty meals, and he was hungry. Bright and new and conspicuous, a gold-lettered sign at Struve's doorway caught his eye and caused him to remember the wounded left hand which had been paining him considerably through the long, hot day. The sign bore the name of Dr. V. D. Page, and the words physician and surgeon in blue penciled letters upon the practitioner's card affixed to the brass chain suspending the sign. Where the further words, Room 5, Straub's Hotel. The sheriff went to Room 5. It was at the front of the building, upon the ground floor. The door opened almost immediately when he had rapped. Confront him was the girl he had encountered at the Arroyo. He lifted his hat, looked beyond her, and said simply, I was looking for Dr. Page. Is he in now? Yes, she told him gravely. Come in, please. He stepped across the threshold, his eyes trained to quick observations of details, taking in at a glance all there was to be seen. The room showed no signs of fresh unpacking. The one table and two chairs piled high with odds and ends. For the most part, the miscellany consisted of big, fat books, bundles of towels and fresh white napkins, rubber stoppered bottles of vari-colored contents, and black leather cases, no doubt containing a surgeon's instruments. Through an open door giving entrance to the adjoining room, he noted further signs of unpacking with a marked difference in the character of the litter. The girl stepped quickly to this door, shutting out the vision of a helter-skelter of feminine apparel. "'Is it your hand?' she asked, in almost thoroughly matter-of-fact fashion she put out her own for it. "'Let me see it.' But for a moment he bestowed upon her merely a slow look of question. "'You don't mean that you are Dr. Page?' he asked. Then, believing that he understood, you're the nurse. Is a physician's life in San Juan likely to be so filled with his duties that he must bring a nurse with him? She countered. Yes, I am Dr. Page. He noted that she was as defiant about the matter as the kid had been about the killing of Brisby, of Los Palmos. Plainly, she had foreseen that the type of man-animal inhabiting this out-of-the-way corner of the world would be likely to wonder at her hardihood and perhaps to jeer. "'I came to-day,' she explained, in the same matter-of-fact way. "'Consequently, you will pardon the looks of things, but I am one of the kind that believes in hanging out a shingle first, getting details arranged next. Now, may I see the hand?' Uh, "'It's hardly anything.' He lifted it now for her inspection. "'Just a slight cut, you know.' 
but it's showing signs of infection, a little antiseptic. She took his fingers into hers and bent over the wound. He noted two things now, what strong hands she had, shapely, with sensitive fingers, ignorant of rings, how richly alive and warmly colored her hair was, full of little waves and curls. She had nothing to say while she treated him. Over an alcohol lamp, she heated some water in a bowl brought from the adjoining room. She cleansed the hand thoroughly, then the application of the final antiseptic, a bit of absorbent cotton, a winding of surgeon's tape about a bit of gauze, and the thing was done. Only at the end did she say, It's a peculiar cut. Not a knife cut, is it? No, he answered humorously. Did it on a piece of lead. How much is it, doctor? Two dollars, she told him, busied with the drying of her own hands. Better let me look at it again in the morning if it pains you. He laid two silver dollars in her palm, hesitated a moment, and then went out. He's got the nerve, was his thoughtful estimate as he went to his corner table in the dining room. But I don't believe she is going to last long in San Juan. Funny, she should come to a place like this anyhow. Wonder what the V stands for. At any rate, the hand had been skillfully treated and bandaged. He nodded at it approvingly. Then, with his meal set before him, he divided his thoughts pretty evenly between the girl and the recent shooting at the Casa Blanca. The sense was strong upon him, as it had been many a time, that before very long either Rod Norton or Jim Galloway would lie as the sheepman from Las Palmas was lying, while the other might watch his sunrises and sunsets with a strange new emotion of security. The sheriff, who had not eaten for twelve hours, was beginning his meal when the newest stranger in San Juan came into the dining-room. She had arranged her lustrous copper-brown hair becomingly, and looked fresh and cool and pretty. Norton approved of her with his keen eyes while he watched her go to her place at a table across the room. As she sat down, giving no sign of having noted him, her back toward him, he continued to observe and to admire her slender, perfect figure and the strong, sensitive hands busied with her napkin. A slovenly, half-grown Indian girl, Anita, the cook's daughter, came in from the kitchen, directed the slumberous eyes of her race upon the sheriff who fitted well in a woman's eye, and went to serve the single other late diner. Norton caught a fleeting view of V. D. Page's throat and cheek as she turned slightly in speaking with Anita. As the serving-maid withdrew, Norton rose to his feet and crossed the room to the far table. "'May I bring my things over to eat with you?' he asked when he stood looking down on her, and she had lifted her eyes curiously to his. "'If you've come to say you can't go on forever not knowing anybody here, you know, since you've got to know us sooner or later, why not begin to get acquainted? Here and now, and with me. I'm Roderick Norton.' One must have had far less discernment than she not to have felt instinctively that the great bulk of human conventions would shrivel and vanish before they could come this far across the desert lands. Besides, the man standing over her looked straight and honestly into her eyes, and for little she glimpsed again the youth of him veiled by the sternness his life had set into his soul and upon his face. "'It's kind of you to have pity upon me in my isolation,' she answered lightly and without hesitation, and to tell the truth, I never was so terribly lonesome in all my life. He made two trips back and forth to bring his plate and coffee cup and auxiliary sauce dishes and plated silver, while she wondered idly that he did not instruct the Indian girl to perform the service for him. Even then she half formulated the thought that was much more natural for this man to do for himself 
what he wanted than for him to sit down to be waited upon. A small matter, no doubt. But then mountains are made up of small particles and character of just such small characteristics as this. During the half-hour which they spent together over their meal, they got to know each other rather better than chance acquaintances are likely to do in so brief a time. For from the moment of Norton's coming to her table, the bars were down between them. She was plainly eager to supplement Ignacio Chavez's information of La Gentre, of San Juan and its surrounding country, evincing a curiosity which he readily understood to be based upon the necessities of her profession. In return for all that he told her, she sketchily spoke of her own plans, very vague plans, to be sure, she admitted with one of her quick gay smiles. She had come prepared to accept what she found. She was playing no game of hide-and-seek with her destiny, but had wandered thus far from the former limits of her existence to meet life halfway, hoping to do good for others, a little imperiously determined to achieve her own measure of success and happiness. From the beginning, each was ready, perhaps more than ready, to like the other. Her eyes, whether they smiled or grew suddenly grave, pleased him. Always were they fearless. He sensed that beneath the external soft beauty of a very lovely young woman, there was a spirit of hardihood in every sense worthy of the success which she had planned barehanded to make for herself. And in the man's estimation, no quality stood higher than a superb independence. On her part, there was first a definite surprise, then a glow of satisfaction that in this virile arm of the law there was nothing of the blusterer. She set him down as a quiet gentleman first, as a sheriff next. She enjoyed his low, good-humored laugh and laughed back with him, even while she experienced again the unaccustomed thrill at the sheer physical bigness of him, the essentially masculine strength of a hardy son of the southwestern outdoors. Not once had he referred to the affair at the Casa Blanca or to his part in it. Not a question did she ask him concerning it. He told himself that so utterly human, so perfectly feminine a being as she, must be burning with curiosity. She marveled that he could think, speak of anything else. When together they rose from the table, they were alike, prepared, should circumstance so direct, to be friends. She was going now to call upon the Ingle. She had told him that she had a letter to Mrs. Ingle from a common friend in Richmond. "'I don't want to appear to be riding too hard on your trail,' he smiled at her. "'But I was planning dropping in on the Ingles myself this evening. They're friends of mine, you know.' She laughed, and as they left the hotel, propounded a riddle for him to answer. Should Mr. Norton introduce her to Mrs. Ingle so that she might present her letter? Or, after the letter was presented, should Mrs. Ingle introduce her to Mr. Norton. It did not suggest itself to her until they had passed from the street through the cottonwoods and into the splendid living room of the Engel home, that her escort was not dressed as she had imagined all civilized mankind dressed for a call. Walking through the primitive town, his boots and soft shirt and travel-soiled hat had been in too perfect keeping with the environment for her to become more than pleasurably conscious of them. At the Ingalls, however, his garb struck her for a moment of the first shock of contrast, as almost grotesquely out of place. At the broad front door Norton had rapped, the delusatory striking of a piano's keys ceased abruptly, a girl's voice crying eagerly, 
it's roddy hinted at the identity of the listless player a door flung open flooded the broad entrance hall with light and then the outer door framed banker engel's daughter a mere girl in her middle teens fair-haired fair-skinned fluffy skirted her eyes bright with expectation her two hands held out offering themselves in double greeting but having seen the unexpected guest at the sheriff's side the bright-haired girl paused for a brief moment of uncertainty upon the threshold her hands falling to her sides hello florrie norton was saying quietly i've brought a caller for your mother miss ingle miss page how do you do miss page florrie replied regaining her poise and giving one of her hands to each of the callers the abandon of her first appearance gone in a flash to be replaced by a vague hint of stiffness mamma will be so glad to see you do come in she turned and led the way down the wide deep hall and into the living-room a chamber which boldly defied one to remember that he was still upon the rim of the desert in one swift glance the newcomer to san juan was offered a picture in which the tall carelessly clad form of the sheriff became incongruous she wondered that he remained at his ease as he so obviously did yonder was a grand piano a silver chased vase upon a wall a bracket over it holding three long-stemmed red roses a heavy massive top table strewn comfortably and invitingly with books and magazines an exquisite rug and one painting upon the far wall an original seascape suggestive of waugh at his best excellent leather upholstered chairs luxuriously inviting and at once homelike and rich just rising from one of these chairs drawn up to the table reading lamp a book still in his hand was mr engle while mrs engle as fair as her daughter just beginning to grow stout and lavender came forward smilingly back again roddy she gave him a plump hand patted his lean brown fingers after her motherly fashion and came to where the girl had just stopped just within the door virginia page aren't you as if any one in the world would have to tell me who you were you are your mother all over child did you know it oh kiss me kiss me my dear for your mother's sake and save your handshakes for strangers virginia taken utterly by surprise as mrs engle's arms closed warmly about her grew rosy with pleasure the dreary loneliness of a long day was gone with a kiss and a hug i don't know she began haltingly only to be cut short by mrs engle crying to her husband virginia page john wouldn't you have known her anywhere john engle courteous urbane a pleasant-featured man with grave kindly eyes and a rather large firm-lipped mouth nodded to norton and gave virginia his hand cordially i must be satisfied with a handshake miss page he said in a deep pleasant voice but i refuse to be a mere stranger we are immensely glad to have you with us mother can't you sue we have most thoroughly mystified her swooping down on her like this without giving her an inkling of how and why we expected her roderick norton and florrie engle had drawn a little apart virginia with her back to them during the greeting of mrs and mr engle had no way of knowing whether the withdrawal had been by mutually spontaneous desire or whether the initiative had been the sheriff's or miss engle's not that it mattered or concerned her in any slightest particular in her hand was the note of introduction she had brought from mrs seth morgan evidently both its services and those of roderick norton might be dispensed within the matter of her being presented 
of course mrs engle was saying an arm about the girl's slim waist she drew her to a big leather couch marian never does things by halves my dear you know that don't you that's a letter she gave you for me well she wrote me another so i know all about you and if you are willing to accept the relationship with out-of-the-world folks we're sort of cousins virginia page flushed vividly she had known all along that her mother had been a distant relative of mrs engle but she had no desire no thought of employing that very faint tie as an argument for being accepted by the banker's family she did not care to come here like the proverbial poor relation you are very kind she said quietly her lips smiling while her eyes were grave but i don't want you to feel that i have been building on the fact of kinship i just want to be friends if you like me not because you felt it was your duty engle who had come dragging his chair after him to join them laughed amusedly answering your question mrs engle he chuckled i'd certainly know her for virginia page when we come to know her better maybe she will allow us to call her cousin virginia in the meantime to play safe i suppose to us that she'd just better be dr page john is as full of nonsense after banking hours explained mrs engle still affectionately patting virginia's hand as he crammed with business from nine until four which makes life with him possible it's like having two husbands makes more variety and so saves me from flirting with other men now tell us all about yourself virginia who had been a little stiff-muscled until now leaned back among the cushions unconscious of a half sigh of content and of her relaxation during the long days san juan had sought to frighten to repel her now it was making ample amends first the companionable society of rod norton then this simple hearty welcome she returned the pleasure of mrs engle's soft warm hands in sheer gratitude after that they chatted lightly engle gradually withdrawing from the conversation and secretly watching the girl keenly studying her play of expression seeking according to his habit to make his guarded estimate of a new factor in his household from virginia's face his eyes went swiftly now and then to his daughter's animated in her tete-a-tete with the sheriff once when virginia turned unexpectedly she caught the hint of a troubled frown in his eyes broad double doors in the west hall of the living-room gave entrance to the patio the doors were open now to the slowly freshening night air and from where she sat virginia page had a glimpse of a charming court an orange tree heavy with fruit and blossom red and yellow roses a sleeping fountain whose still water reflected starshine and the lamp in its niche under a grape-vine arbor when norton and florence engle strolled out into the inviting patio engle breaking his silence leaned forward and dominated the conversation virginia had been doing the major part of the talking answering questions about mrs engle's girlhood home telling something of herself now john engle reminding his wife that their guest must be consumed with curiosity about her new environment sought to interest her in this and that in and about san juan there was a killing this afternoon he admitted quietly no doubt you know of it and have been shocked by it and perhaps on account of it have a little misjudged san juan we are not all cutthroats here by any manner of means i think i might almost say that the rough element is in the minority we are in a state of transition like all other frontier settlements 
the railroad though it doesn't come closer than the little tank station where you took the stage this morning has touched our lives out here a railroad brings civilizing influences but the first thing it does is to induct a surging tide of forces contending against law and order pioneers and he smiled his slow grave tolerant smile or as often as not tumultuous blooded and self-sufficient and prone to kick over the established traces we've got that class to deal with and that boy rod norton with his job cut out for him is getting results he's the biggest man right now not only in the country but in this end of the state continuing he told her something of the sheriff young norton having returned from college some three years before to live the only life possible to one of his blood had become manager of his father's ranch in the beyond the san juan mountains at the time billy norton was the county sheriff and had his hands full rumors said that he had promised himself to get a certain man Engle admitted that that man was jim galloway of the casablanca but either galloway or a tool of galloway's or some other man had gotten billy norton shooting him down in his own cabin and from the back putting a shotgun charge of buckshot into his brain it had occurred shortly after roderick norton's return shortly before the expiration of billy norton's term of office rod norton putting another man in his place on the ranch had buried his father and then had asked of the county his election to the place made empty by his father's death though he was young men believed in him the election returns gave him his place by a crushing majority and he's done good work concluding engle thoughtfully because of what he has done because he does not make an arrest until he has his evidence and then drives hard to a certain conviction he has come to be called dead sure norton and to be respected everywhere and feared more than little until now it has become virtually a two-man fight rod norton against jim galloway john interposed mrs engle aren't you giving virginia rather a somber side of things well, maybe i am he agreed but this killing of the Los Palmas man in broad daylight has come pretty close to filling my mind. Who's going to be next? His eyes went swiftly towards the patio, taking stock of the two figures there. Then he shrugged, went to the table for a cigar, and returned, smiling to inform Virginia of life on the desert and in the valleys beyond the mountains, of scattering attempts at reclamation and irrigation, of how one made towns of sun-dried mud, of where the adobe soil itself was found drifted over with sand in the shade of the cottonwoods but mrs ingle's sigh while her husband spoke of black mud and straw testified that her thoughts still clung about those events and possibilities which she herself had asked him to avoid her eyes wandered to the tall rudely garbed figure dimly seen in the patio virginia recalling jim galloway as she had seen him on the stage heavy-bodied narrow-hipped masterful alike in carriage and the look of the prominent eyes glanced with mrs engle toward rod norton he was laughing at something passing between him and florence and for the moment appeared utterly boyish were it not for the grim reminder of the forty-five caliber revolver which the nature of his sworn duties did not allow of his lying aside even upon a night like this it would have been easy to forget that he was all that which the one word sheriff connotates in a land like that about san juan can't get away from it can we 
Engel, having caught the look of the two women's eyes, broke off abruptly in what he was saying, and now sat studying his cigar with frowning eyes. Man against man, and the whole country knows it. One employing whatever criminal's tools slip into his hands, the other fighting fair and in the open. Man against man, and in a death grapple, just because they are the men they are. With one backed up by a hangdog crowd like Kid Rickard and Antone, and the other playing virtually a lone hand. What's the end going to be? Virginia thought of Inexio Chavez. He, had he been there, would have answered. In the end, there will be the ringing of the bells for a man dead. You will see. Which one? Ah, uh, King Sabi. The bells will ring. End of chapter 4